September 1st, um, 11 p.m. Yes, this title is exactly uh, what we're going to be discussing in this conversation. Um, it's pretty intense towards the middle-ish when we really start to get into detail about it. Um, if you're squeamish, I would try to avoid this episode, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's not very often that you get to hear um, such a story such as this one. So yeah, enjoy. Yo, Jackplex, answer the fucking phone, dude. So, yeah, just give me, like, a brief explanation of how your childhood was and, and your relationship with your father. Um, my childhood wasn't very good, if I'm being honest. We were raised super religious. Um, we were raised as Jehovah's Witnesses. And we were, like, the family to be. So everybody else thought we looked pretty normal. We All of us kids did really good in school. We were a happy family. But once we got home... It was a completely different story. My dad was very abusive. He would scream and berate everyone at any moment for anything. He would be physical at times. Like one moment that sticks out a lot is I had woke him up from a nap trying to get some water and he smashed my face into a cabinet. Nobody really did anything about it because that was just kind of the norm just went into my room and cried. My mom was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah. She left. Didn't talk about it again. There was even a little bit of sexual abuse that happened between um, my dad and one of my siblings. And then I've blocked out a lot of my memories, but there's evidence that I was probably abused as well by my dad. Why did he do those things as far as you know? Honestly, I think he just, he dealt with a lot of abuse from his own dad from some of the stuff that I heard that his dad would do. I'm not saying, of course, that's an excuse for what he did, but I feel like that would be a pretty good explanation. His family also was highly predisposed to mental illness. Me and my three siblings were pretty young. I was in fifth grade, so all my other siblings were either in middle school or one of them may have been in high school too at that point. They sat us down and were like, look, you kids are basically destined to get depression because my dad had it, and my mom had it, and it had been in their families for a long time. And so this kind of brings up, oh, it brings up two things. So the first thing I wanted to say is, um, and I, I do agree with you, it definitely does not justify anything that he did whatsoever. But I think it's also, do you think, do you find it like beneficial to like think about why he did it? Because I know that for some people, and it's completely justified too, some people don't even, it's, it's not even like a thing for them. It's like, I mean, it doesn't even matter why you did it. It's just because, you know, you were doing this. But for you, like, when, when, when you kind of think about, like, the reasons behind why he was doing any of that shit, does it bring you any type of peace or anything? Or, or, or like, some type of understanding? It brings me understanding, but not peace. Because he did have all of that time to change. Because he was in his 50s when he died. He had that time to change. He had the opportunities. He just would not listen to anybody. And that was something he would have to work on, and he just didn't. And, and, it, and it's crazy whenever you hear about just, like, the general cycle of, like, 
abuse and how really the thing it really does just come down to if you're willing to get help or not and a lot of people just refuse especially because getting help mentally was stigmatized not too long ago too but even then comes a point where you have to look inward to see your own issues how many siblings do you have i have three i am the youngest but due to the fact that we were jehovah's witnesses i have absolutely no idea what their birthdays are because we didn't celebrate them so they just never stuck in my head i could not tell you how old any of them are just that they're all older than me by about two years each. so i'll admit i'm not very educated on like the lifestyle of a jehovah's witness i know quite a bit that it can be very very bad for a lot of people that are involved in it and then people grow up and they get out of it and they're like yo what the fuck just happened do you know when your birthday is yes we all knew our birthdays it just it would be a normal day to us so our parents would ask us do you feel any older and we would know when our siblings birthdays were they just weren't an extravagant day where it'd be memorable or anything my siblings know mine but i just was never like okay, I'm gonna learn yours because I didn't see it as important as a kid. It wasn't something huge to me. And even now, I struggle with seeing how important birthdays are. My fiance gets mad at me because I'm like, I don't see what the big deal is. I never celebrated my actual birthday until I was 18 years old. I was like, I don't see what the big whoop is. My fiance, they basically forced me to celebrate it every year. Now, like this year, because it was in January, they took me out to uh, an aquarium down in Newport, Kentucky. Because I was like, I want to do edibles and go to an aquarium. So we did. <laughs> <laughs> How was it? It was absolutely amazing. We stared at the jellyfish exhibit for a good 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that um, as you get like a little bit older that you're going to come to slowly appreciate your birthday a little bit more and be able to reclaim that back from your childhood? I, I think I will eventually be able to reclaim that. I was really iffy about Christmas because... I didn't see the big whoop about that, and the first Christmas I ever actually went to, it was with my fiance's family, and we hadn't been dating for a very long time at that point, so they didn't really know me. I did not get any presents, so I was like, this is just kind of weird. I'm around a bunch of people I don't know. On the ride home, I was like, I don't think I like Christmas, and they were like, no, 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 it was a bad Christmas, I'll admit. So the next Christmas was so much better, and I loved it, and now it's like, I look forward to Christmas. Halloween is my absolute favorite holiday. I love dressing up and just like doing hooligan shit with my friends. This enjoyment that you're having with these holidays, did you come to find this enjoyment with these holidays after you got away from home or when you were still at home? Did you guys ever really celebrate anything as Jehovah Witnesses? No, Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate any holidays whatsoever. There's no birthdays, no Christmas, don't even do Thanksgiving. There's not, we don't celebrate Easter. Well, not we. They don't, because I'm not a Jehovah's Witness anymore. Haven't been for years, actually. But they don't Why? celebrate. Um, it's, in my personal opinion, I don't think Jehovah's Witnesses should be called a religion. It is a lot more of a cult-like organization. It basically shames you and builds fear in society to keep you in that organization. And if you decide to get baptized and then say, hey, I don't actually think I want to be a Jehovah's Witness anymore... Since you were baptized, you now become what's called this fellowship, and nobody who is a Jehovah's Witness can talk to you, even if they are your family. So you are completely and utterly shunned once you leave. They have terrible views on sexual assault. They have databases on child sex abuse that has happened in the organizations and have not turned them over to the police. It's a really, really messed up religion. So I just... I left and being a young queer person too, 
with the high teachings against being gay and being trans, I just, I couldn't take it. Are your siblings still Jehovah's Witnesses? Two of them are. Um, one of my siblings is non-binary. It's the one who's actually only two years older than me. So we were the closest out of everybody because we both from a young age were like, hey, I don't really agree with these views because when we were at school, we already had gay friends and we were like, we don't see what the issue is with this. And then of course, thanks to the internet, we were able to kind of discover more things that we were like, hey, maybe this isn't right what I've been taught my entire life. So we both left literally the same exact meeting. They announced that both me and my sibling, who is non-binary, were no longer Jehovah's Witnesses. So they did this as a ceremony in front of everybody. It's not really like they don't have a separate ceremony for it, but you would basically go to a meeting or the equivalent of like going to a church service every Sunday morning and then Thursday nights. And so it was a Thursday night and basically after the entire like meeting was done, they do announcements at the end sometimes. And that's like when they'll announce somebody's died, if somebody has been disfellowshipped, things like that. And so they just kind of announced it at the end of the meeting. Were you embarrassed or did you feel shame? I felt proud. I was very happy. Um, I felt a little guilty because my mom did start crying. But I, at the time, was like, fuck it. I'm glad to be out of this. I don't have any more obligations. I didn't have to go knock on people's doors anymore because I wasn't allowed to because I wasn't a Jehovah's Witness anymore. So I couldn't represent them. And at, at what age were you at this point? I was 14. Like, yeah, I was 14. So we're going we're gonna to revisit this, this point in your life because I feel like you, you'd say that was like a turning point, definitely, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. So let's let's go back a little bit more in, into the childhood. Uh, and you were you were telling me more about how your your father was basically being abusive. Did your mother ever challenge him on this? Very rarely did she challenge him on it. She knew about, of course, the physical abuse and the verbal and mental abuse because she was also on the end of that. But she, to this day, is adamant that she didn't know about the sexual abuse, which part of me, how could you not? But at the same time, maybe she was being gaslit into believing that none of that actually happened, or maybe she just genuinely couldn't realize what was happening. But she didn't really have a backbone at all when I was a kid. She still doesn't really have a backbone. She has a huge issue with setting boundaries, keeping those boundaries, as well as respecting other people's boundaries. And I hold a lot of resentment against her for that but at the same time I have to constantly remind myself that she was a victim in this situation too and that kind of would have been like asking one of my older siblings or something to stand up against my dad when he was in an episode of like freaking out on us and that just wouldn't be fair to ask her did you and your siblings ever have discussions when you guys were younger about the things that your father was doing or was it just kind of like an unspoken thing we did talk about it we talked about how it felt like we were walking on eggshells all the time. We would talk about how we didn't want our dad to come home. We even had this joke that all hell would break loose when he would get home. We knew something was wrong and that we shouldn't be being treated like that, but we didn't know if it was uncommon. We didn't know if we were overreacting to something or if this is just how discipline was supposed to happen. Because in the Bible, Children are supposed to be disciplined and obedient to their parents. Damn, that's, and that's that, what we that's, were taught. That's such a well, like, they just really covered all their bases with this shit. 
Like, yep. you know, it, it creates so much self-doubt and so much fear that it's like, even when you start to contemplate, and also not to mention the fact that you're a child, and even as a child, like, you don't even know where the fuck you are, really. But yeah, it's that, and on top of that fear that they're already putting you, and that's just so fucking insane to me that that was a thing that was happening to you. Leading up to the days towards his suicide, did you get any hints or anything? About four days or so maybe five before he died, I was actually waiting to go into a therapy session and my mom was next to me and I saw her texting somebody and I was like, oh, that's weird. These are romantic texts to someone who is not my dad. And so I looked over and I just said, who are you texting? And she hit it and she was like, you're not going to tell your dad, are you? And I was like, well, no, I hate that guy, so I'm not going to tell him. And... (laughs) It's just, she told me with all the context, was, it makes so much sense. Yeah. She told me that it was my sister's father-in-law and that they were planning to elope. I actually, at the time, encouraged this because I knew that if she could escape, then that would be best for her. But then about three day, or two days after that, my dad found out. And he lost it. I was in my room and I heard the door open from the garage and my mom come in and my dad just immediately started yelling and my mom started crying. So I immediately knew what was up. And my mom came into my room after a lot of screaming and she hugged me, kissed me and said that she was going to have to stay somewhere else for the next couple of nights. I was like, okay, I understand. So she left. And my dad went down to his office for the rest of the night, and I didn't see him until I got home from school the next day. He was just in his office, then he went to work before I woke up. So I didn't see him until he got home from work. And he had shaved his mustache, which was a huge sign, because this was a mustache that he'd had ever since him and my mom started dating. And they were married for 25 years. So this was big. And I kind of knew something was up, but I thought it was just retaliation against my mom. Because my mom always joked that if he ever shaved it, she would leave him. And then he was just really depressed. He had some friends come over from the church. And he straight up told them, I just want to die. I didn't learn about that conversation until after he had died because his friends didn't think he would actually do anything. And then the day before, he was in his office basically all night. And then he came upstairs and just kind of sat in the living room, completely quiet. He didn't have the TV on, he didn't have his phone out. He was just kind of sitting and staring and I just saw him out there and I went around the other way to my room and went to bed. Is it okay if I ask you how he committed it? He shot himself in the head. Did he do that in a location where you were able to hear the bang? Yeah. He did it after um, I had come home from a meeting for a school that was starting because I was doing the dual college high school enrollment and my mom and I had decided to go on a walk after that meeting 
and we heard a gunshot and my mom literally turned to me and said that can't be your dad we don't have a gun because we were never a gun family we never had guns for the main reason that so many people in our family are depressed and have suicidal thoughts before my dad even killed himself i had already been hospitalized for a suicide attempt when i was 14 and my sister had also been hospitalized when she was 18 for suicidal thoughts. So we just never had guns. But when we got home, um, we went in the house. We couldn't find my dad anywhere. And then we noticed that all the family pictures had been taken down. They'd all been turned around. And so my mom ran outside. I ran after her. She started screaming at me to call his best friend. And I just kept screaming back at her, why? And I ran after her and she turned towards the woods in our side yard. So he was outside. And she just looked, saw, and screamed, and then ran. And I followed Because if your mom screams and runs somewhere, you're probably going to follow after her. And she started screaming at me to stay back, but my brain wasn't comprehending why until I saw that my dad was just laying on the ground with a gun I had never seen before next to him with part of his face taped in. When you talk about this entire event, how have you come to terms with this day and view it? I feel like I've come to terms with it because I've talked about it so much. I've been in therapy a lot throughout my life. And I also had an amazing support system when all of this went down. I had amazing friends who let me talk about it. I had amazing teachers who, when I returned to school, were there for me. The school actually sent um, a gift card with some a good amount of money on it to my mom after my dad died because they knew that my mom didn't have a very well-paying job. And they knew that we probably wouldn't be able to afford new school supplies for me. And so just having those people around me to let me talk really has made me able to talk about this a lot more. I feel strangely detached to it. Do you think that's a defense mechanism or that's just you already having come to terms with this and just having all these discussions about it and whatnot? I think it was probably actually the fact that I had already been so heavily dissociated in my life that still when I think back to it, part of it just doesn't feel real kind of feels like I'm talking about somebody else. How did your siblings react to this information? My brother, who was the closest to my dad, because my dad liked him the most, so he never got as much of the abuse as me and my other siblings did. He was completely distraught. He could not stop himself from, like, crying. He stayed away from everybody else. My oldest sister, she... Oddly enough, was pretty calm. I think it might have just been her like older sister instincts kicking in. And then my one sibling just kind of stayed with their boyfriend. And their boyfriend kind of just comforted them, even though there wasn't much comforting to do. Because my sibling and my dad had the biggest strain and the most, dare I say, hatred for each other. So... For my two older siblings, it was a lot rougher, even though they didn't see him or anything. And my one sibling, it was pretty easy for them. And so so you've already told me about the sibling that you were closest to growing up and how you both ended up 
not being Jehovah's Witnesses anymore at the age of 14. And I think it, you have a brother and a sister. Yeah. Um, are they still Jehovah's Witnesses? They are. And do you guys communicate often to this day or not really? No. I don't talk to my one, my oldest sister at all because she never accepted the fact that I am a trans man. So she still calls me my dead name. She still calls me she, her pronouns, even though I look like a man. I've been on hormones for three years. I sound like a man, at least gay man, but <laughs> I, I look and sound like one. So it's just kind of insane when she sees me and I don't like talking to her for that reason. My brother, he's a bit more warmed up to the idea. He actually recently texted me a couple months ago that he wanted to try edibles, but then he, he chickened out and said he didn't want to do it anymore. Me and him are a bit closer and we do text, but not very often. And then me and my one sibling, we even though they left too, we don't talk at all. I'm blocked on all social media. They blocked everyone in our family when they moved away. Do you and your brother ever have like a disconnect because he's still a Jehovah Witness and you're not? Yeah, it's not like a really odd one, but there's a weird tension that we feel when we talk to each other. It's kind of like when you talk to somebody that you used to know from like elementary school, but you weren't like close friends. You just hung around the same group of people, know the same basic stuff, but you don't have anything in common anymore. Does your she talks about my dad a lot, but she never says that he commits suicide. She always says when he did what he did. That's the phrase she always uses. Do you think that she holds resentment for him towards him for that? I think she feels that it was her fault. I think that she blames herself for all of it. And how do you feel about it when you think about it? Like, I think I can really understand her dynamic because the entire relationship that you guys had growing up was not favorable and then of course there was the i guess we can call it like the 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 texting incident or whatever where where you told her that it was fine to do that do you regret that or are you just like well how do you how do you see the whole thing i kind of regret it i wish i would have not encouraged it but told her to be more careful and to probably not do that to remind her of the consequences of what would happen if my dad did find out if things didn't work out I just wish I would have told her to be smarter because I understand why she would be cheating on my dad. I understand why she would do it with somebody who was so much nicer to her. He was also in kind of a weird marriage situation that he didn't seem too terribly happy in. So it just seemed like it made sense. Also, you were 14 too. So I don't really think that like... I didn't have the greatest thinking capacity at the time. Yeah, I, I feel like... I feel like if I were in your shoes, I would have probably done more or less the same thing. And on top of that too, like I've had, I've had conversations with people about all sorts of shit. And I think that, and I sometimes throughout calls, like I bring up other calls and like the thing that comes up in my mind right now as you and I are talking is that I had a talk um, with somebody and they're telling me, we were discussing about how like sometimes shit's just up to chance and you could just never see that shit coming. Um, he was telling me about how he had a childhood friend named Charlie and he was like five or six and his friend Charlie went on an ATV with his brother and while they were riding the ATV, something went wrong with the brake and then he hit a tree crash and then he passed away. And sometimes like to this day, he'll wonder like, damn, like if I was there, would something have been different? Or if he went to school with me that day, something would have been different. But again, like sometimes that shit's just up to chance. 
And I don't yeah. think that you could have ever even known that your dad would have reacted that way. I mean, it could have been a possibility, but I don't think that it was like a passing thought in any of your heads at that point in time. Was it? Not really, because my dad was talking about divorcing my mom. So we just thought that that was the route he was going to go. Yeah. So considering like suicide would have been like a very like extreme end of things. Like you, you just really couldn't have seen it. Exactly. And so now where you are in your life, I mean, you seem pretty happy now where you are. Um, I'm highly unhappy. I struggle a lot. I had some issues with substances when I was younger. After my dad died, I have a very addictive personality. Anything that may be bad for me, but makes me happy and makes me not feel like myself, I was very into. And that kind of messed me up a bit. I was put on some pretty heavy medications when I was at a younger age that kind of messed up some of my brain chemistry. So it's just a lot of mental illness. Or have you gotten diagnosed for or the mental illnesses that you might have right now? Yeah, yeah. I was also diagnosed with some other stuff, but I recently got it um, changed. I was originally diagnosed with autism, major depression, CPTSD, which is just complicate, uh, complex PTSD, schizophrenia, and generalized anxiety. But they, I had a recent hospital visit for a suicide attempt in February, actually. And they changed my diagnosis to where they're now just major depression, autism, and borderline personality disorder with psychotic features. Now that you got all your diagnoses, how do you... In the broadest way possible, how do you feel about that? When I first got them, I felt like everything made sense. I was like, awesome. It's great to not actually be schizophrenic, to know that this is just trauma-based and hopefully one day it will go away. But then when it started to hit me that since I was diagnosed with a personality disorder, this was not something that medication is going to fix. This is all something I have to go to therapy that I have to fix. And I kind of had a small breakdown when I realized that because that's just so much work that I didn't ask to have to put into my life. Oftentimes, or I do have a couple episodes where I've talked to people that have psychosis, BPD, and they all had different reactions to being uh, diagnosed and whatnot. And especially considering all the context that you gave, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. That's, um, it's just like, it just from the bare bones story that you told me about like your childhood and shit, like that's like a lot of shit to process and handle. And you really didn't ask for any of that shit, man. How was your support system? Um, really good. I have a lot of friends who respect me as a man. I, my fiance is very adamantly supportive of me because, I mean, they're trans too. So it kind of makes sense if they would, weren't. Um, I have, their family is awesome. So I have great in-laws. My mom has come around a lot more since my dad died. And she, at least to my face, calls me um, my preferred name and pronoun. And just pretty much everyone treats me like a man. And if they don't know that I'm trans, I'm at the point to where in my transition, they don't have to know. If I don't want somebody to know that I'm trans, I have the, the privilege, the pass, we call it passing privilege. I have the passing privilege to not have to tell people if I am trans or not. They just respect me as a man because that is what I look like and that is what I sound like. Do you mind if I ask you a little bit more about the process of how you realized? Uh, I always knew that I was a little different. 
I didn't know in what way. It's kind of funny because I was really young and everybody would always tell me, you've got to be gay because look at you. Like the first time I ever had somebody genuinely ask me if I was a lesbian was my mom when I was in fifth grade. She asked me in the car, are you a lesbian? But what, like, did, what did you no. did you do like things that might have been perceived as because I, I feel that most people when they look at a woman and then they think that the woman is lesbian, it's because this person might be giving like traits that are like masculine. Um, yeah. What, what kind of masculine traits were you giving off at that point in time that you might remember? Oh, I was just I was the biggest tomboy you would ever meet. I despised skirts, dresses. Sports, even I would not wear those. I hated pink. I hated like bright yellows. I never wanted to go in the girls' bathroom, but I also didn't want to go in the guys' bathroom, so I just wouldn't go to the bathroom anywhere. When I started to like develop breasts at a young age during puberty, I would literally ask my friends, be like, "Can you actually see them in this shirt, or should I keep my jacket on today?" And if they were too obvious, I would cover them up with my jacket the entire day, even if it was like nearing the end of the school year in July and it was hot. June, because it wasn't go to July, but there were a lot of signs that I was very masculine at a young age. Was there, um, was there ever a point where you were like, I guess you could say like uncomfortable in your own body? Oh yeah. I was pretty okay with my body when I was younger, but then basically as soon as puberty hit, I was like, this is terrible. I can't do this. Like, why does my body hate me? And at first I was like, this is just, you know, puberty hormones. I saw my sister go through this. Like, this is no big deal. And then as I, as I was starting to like go through puberty more, I was like, why do I still hate myself so much? Why do I want to like rip my own chest off and have my leg hair be leg hair and not have to shave my armpits? And why do I have to do all these things and have to look pretty? I don't understand. I just thought that maybe a butch lesbian... <laughs> So that's what I told everyone I was, even though I wasn't particularly into women. I wasn't really into men either at the time. I just wasn't a very, like, I think that we all come to, come, I think we all come to grips with our romantic tastes when we're younger, like, at a certain point, I guess. And some come to it later than others. But, I mean, obviously your case is a little bit different because you were having kind of, like, issues with yourself, too. So that definitely impeded that, too, I think. Yeah. And it's funny now because I'm not attracted to women at all. So <laughs> it's like... I used to be like, yes, only women, only women. Men are disgusting. And now I'm like, no thanks. How was the process of transitioning? The social transition was a lot bigger for me just because I came out at school first, actually. I did not tell my parents. I came out to my friends at school. And then since there wasn't really an official policy for trans kids at my school yet, they just kind of were like, okay, we won't tell your parents, but we'll have the teachers call you this name and pronouns, but when talking to your parents, we'll use your other name and pronouns. I'd be like, awesome, sweet. So we just did that at school for a bit. And then I think we actually did that for like half a school year. And then I told my parents that summer, and they did not react well and at all. At uh, what age were you when you told them? I was, this was during my hospital visit in 14. I think earlier you said that I found my dad when I was 14. That might have been a mix up. I found him when I was, yeah, I was 14 when I was in the hospital then. And then when I was 16, my dad died. But yeah, that didn't go well. And then after my dad died, my mom started to become a lot more accepting 
of me and she even let me start my medical transition when I was 17. I was only like two or three months from turning 18 so she kind of was in the mindset of even if she doesn't help me do this now I'm going to do it in two or three months anyway. So she just kind of signed all the paperwork and I was able to get on hormones when I was 17 which was huge but it was not as massive for me as the social aspect. And by social aspect, I would assume that like, you know, you were actually able to be yourself. Yeah. The social aspect is just like being called that name and being called he, him pronouns and being recognized as a man without having to take the medical steps yet. Usually the social transition happens way before any medical transition takes place because the process to actually start hormones in a lot of places is such a long process. Yes, yes, I see now. Um, I, I mean, I've t- or I'll, I'll read a lot about like on different forums and I'll see like a, a lot of tweets and go through Twitter threads about like the process of transitioning and how it works and whatnot. But I don't I'm not too familiar with like the terms. But now that you're you're telling me the terms, um, I, I understand a lot. Yeah, man, I think that um, I'm just, I guess, almost blown away at everything that you've uh, and recounted to me. And you seem like you've thought about it quite a bit and you've come to grips with a lot of different things in your life. I don't know. I think that uh, everything that you shared is going to have an impact on people um, in a very positive way. I hope so.